0: You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode number 102 of Life Repurposed. Before we get into hearing from our guest, Robin, I just want to read for you one of the reviews that showed up on iTunes recently. Christine B. 50 says, I recently discovered the Life Repurpose podcast, and I'm so glad I did. The interviews are uplifting, faith-filled, and are the perfect companion for my daily walks. I highly recommend. Thank you, Christine, for those really kind words. And for you, listener, if you have kind words you'd like to say about the show, I'd love to read yours on air as well. So go ahead and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite platform. I love seeing your comments and hearing your feedback. I have Robin Mulder who's joining me. She is one of the authors in the Life Repurposed book. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Robin and then we'll get into our interview. I loved chatting with her and I loved what she wrote for the Life Repurpose book. So, if you haven't checked out the book, I'll be sharing that resource at the end of this episode. Robin Mulder and her pastor husband Gary live in Platt, South Dakota, and they have four adult children. Robin is a freelance editor who loves catching typos. She's currently working on a book about her experience with depression and how we can all stay healthy emotionally. And Robin's going to be talking about that experience with depression in this interview, and she shares it in her chapter in my book as well. And I love what she's done with turning her experience into something to help others and the support groups and classes that she runs. So we'll be sharing some resources at the end of the episode, as well as Robin's website. I hope you enjoy our interview. Thank you so much, Robin, for sitting down and talking with me today and sharing a little bit of your story with our brand new online friends. It's really good to be here, Michelle. Thank you. Yeah. So you have a chapter in the Life Repurpose book. We're going to talk about that soon. But let's start out with something a little bit lighter. You're in South Dakota, and I want to know what specialty is South Dakota known for? Is there a food that we would go out to eat? Is there a beverage or something? I was trying to think, like, is there something that says, you know, like Chicago has deep dish pizza. What does South Dakota have?
1: Um, well, I haven't been a a lifelong resident of South Dakota. I grew up in Michigan, but we've been in ministry here. My husband's a pastor. Uh, we've been here almost three years now. Um, and we've lived close to South Dakota. Um, I can't think of a good food that they're really known for, but, um, the Black Hills are what South Dakota is famous for Mount Rushmore and, uh, just the beautiful area out there. We we live close to the Missouri River. And so there's lots of um, people that come out here for hunting, they, pheasant hunting and fishing in different seasons of the year. So lots of tourism.
0: Yeah, that's and that's what I've come to South Dakota for too is just passing through. Uh, you've moved around a lot. So you've had to adjust to new cultures, new communities. How long do you, does it take for it to really feel like it's home for you? I usually
1: feel like about a year is what it takes to really kind of feel like I've adjusted to a new place. You know, we've, yeah, I grew up in Michigan. Then I went to college in Iowa, married my husband. And then when he felt his call into ministry, we started moving around and yeah, about a a year or so.
0: Yeah. It's hard for me to sometimes answer the question, where are you from? Because I don't know, do you mean, where was I born? Where did I go to grade school? Where did I go to high school? Where do I live now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, I, I grew up all the way through to till college in Michigan. So I feel that like that's home, but, uh, our kids, but our kids, we have four kids and they probably don't really know where to say they're from because (laughs) they've moved all their lives.
0: Yeah. And the accents change every time you move. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I don't know that I've noticed that Michigan really has the accent like we do on the other side of the lake here in Wisconsin. Well, well, I went to college in Iowa and I know some girl, one girl,
1: uh, she's like, I can tell you're from Michigan because the way you say your A's and I didn't know what she meant, but, uh, so there must be something about Michigan.
0: (laughs) I don't know what that means either because they, you know, sometimes people tell me I pronounce Wisconsin wrong and I'm like, no, (laughs) I know how to say it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we we've discovered on some of our emails back and forth that we have some connections and we won't go into all of those, but it's always fun to meet a writer who has some common friends because it's a big network of people, especially in the Christian writing realm. So, I'd like to know a little bit about how you got started as a writer.
1: I have always loved writing. I mean, even in elementary school, we would have writers of Wyoming. I, I grew up in Wyoming, Wyoming, Michigan, by Grand Rapids. So, uh, we'd like uh, we would all write little stories, and then they would publish them in this big volume every year. And oh, um, I got fun. got in that a couple times, and just kind of really have always loved writing. So um, I've blogged for years and years and I've always had the desire to, to write a book. So it's really exciting to be in life repurposed. I I love it. It's beautiful. And, um, it's so exciting, but, uh, yeah, for now, for now, I've just been blogging and, um, I'm working on a book about, uh, my experience with depression, but, uh, we'll see how long it takes me to get, get that, uh, fruition because I tend to get scared and uh, uh, doubt myself. And so there's some things I have to overcome before it gets there.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think a lot of writers go through that. And I'm guessing that some of our listeners also go through that when there's something in their life that they're like, having to get out of their comfort zone and do something brand new, something that makes you be really vulnerable. So Let's think about what. What do you think it is that puts us in that mindset of like, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. What if? I want to say it's basically our thoughts, um, mm-hmm. and I'm.
1: I have realized in my life that my thoughts have kept me from jumping out into experiences I'd like to have. Uh, more often than not. I mean, I've done lots of interesting, exciting things, but um, some of the things I really feel like God's called me to do, uh, I let my thoughts take over and I don't try it because I think, well, what if, you know, as far as writing a book goes, what if no one reads it, or what if they read it and they don't like it? And uh, yeah, it's it's silly because I know that it's something that God wants me to do and I want to do, mm. and I just drag my feet. So I'm sure lots of people do the same thing with um, things that they might feel called to. Mm -hmm. And we have to try to think about the reasons why God is asking us to do something or giving us an opportunity to do something and focus on those reasons. And it will get us Mm -hmm. um, past those places that get us stuck.
0: That's a perfect segue into what you write about in your chapter in Life Repurposed. Because you write about how we decorate our minds with thoughts, sort of similar to how we clutter up our homes sometimes with things. So you are very vulnerable in that story. Is this the first time you're sharing your story of depression in a print form?
1: Uh, well, I have blogged about it several times. Um, so I've you know, i been writing about it. And my husband and I um, spoke in front of our church. Um, oh, I don't know when that was, a couple of years ago after we moved here. Um, and kind of share the story, um, for people. So, yeah, I've been, been doing it, but it was kind of neat to get it into one chapter and, um, have a word count that I was, you know, had to mm-hmm. limit myself and, uh, just kind of tell, tell it succinctly.
0: Yeah. So your journey, y- you share about how there's, there was an event in your life or a circumstance that brought you to a point where it was really full on crisis, Tell us a little bit about stepping into a new position in your career and how that led to really like a crisis moment for you.
1: Well, the crisis for me came when I tried a teaching job, which I even now I look back and I think, well, that is so it seems like such a dumb reason to get depressed because some people, you know, they have horrific losses in their life or they have health concerns. And I thought, I I still tend to think, well, just teaching shouldn't have made me that depressed. But it did because I, I had dealt with depression off and on uh, to lesser degrees over the years. And uh, this was just something that kind of brought it all, all my anxieties and all my uh, insecurities. It only took a month before how I was thinking and just the pressures of on um, un- a job I hadn't been in for 20 years um, just all kind of turned into this major depressive episode where I lost, mm. I just lost hope after just a month of um, being in the classroom. So, yeah, I mean, I say it seems silly, but I guess anything we go through can get us to that place of depression. If we're, if we're thinking, uh, Yeah, if our thoughts just keep spinning in the wrong direction. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking about all the things that come with the type of change you experience where you have this job offer, you have to step into a full-time job, juggle some things at home, brush up on some skills, stand in front of kids every day and, and teach a lesson, go home and spend your free time preparing. Just starting the list of all the things that I think about that would go into that it feels overwhelming
1: yeah. and so
0: have you discovered that when you're in an overwhelmed state that you have the most struggle with the thoughts
1: definitely yeah even even now i mean i i have to recognize when things are getting to be too much for me and it's so it's hard for me because i look at other people's lives and i see where they can do this this and this and just their their list of things they're doing is so long and I think well I don't have a full-time job and I don't do this but I can get overwhelmed at times so mm-hmm. I have to know myself and uh, yeah. catch it before it gets out of control um, yeah and that that month was yeah it was a lot of pressure I, I hadn't mm-hmm. I had taught Spanish for two years after college until we uh, I got married and started to have kids then we, uh, I was home for a long time, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I had underestimated how much it was going to take, and I, I was going into it really thinking, oh, this will be fun. It'll be so, <laughs> so much fun, and I forgot that it was a lot of work, too, and I wasn't <laughs> uh, prepared for that.
0: You talked about the comparison thing, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. We compare in different ways. And for some, it is productivity. We're all wired differently. We all have different circumstances. And so when you, I look at how you're wired and I look at what goes on in your life, and it's almost impossible to compare that to somebody who isn't married to someone in full-time ministry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just everyone's lives are different. I guess we just have to realize that. um, And we all just have to, do what we can with the life that we have, you know. Um yeah. what whatever our schedules are, whatever our support system is.
0: Yeah. So, what happened then after that first month of teaching when you were overwhelmed? What what happened then?
1: Well, I got to such a point of hopelessness that um I talked to my husband and uh we went to the hospital. Um had to get my grades figured out the, the night before first, but uh, <laughs> But then we uh, went to the hospital and uh, told them how I was feeling, and uh, they—it was f- kind of funny because they were—they were looking for a place for me to go, and they're like, "Oh, well, our hospital's filled up, and uh, maybe we can get you into—you know—they were naming these places that were like hundreds of miles away, and I was like, "Oh, I don't want to—you know—make it inconvenient for Gary to visit me," and uh, I was like. I think I'm okay. I you know, i c I'll just go home and uh they were they said no. Once you've exper- once you've expressed uh thoughts that uh, that are that bad, that hopeless, um we can't let you go home. And they had to they find there was a hospital that opened up closer, um, across town, and so they took me over there by ambulance just because they couldn't even let Gary transfer me over there in our car. And uh I spent almost a week there. Um, And while I was there, Gary came and visited me and we talked about it and I decided to let the teaching job go. Um, So I quit that while I was in the hospital and then came home and just was able to have some time to recover and to start learning what it looked like to make sure that I stayed in a healthy emotional place. And you know, I, I had dealt with depression off and on over the years and it had never gotten that bad. But it was always kind of, you know, there, kind of chronic. That when things got stressful, I would feel depressed or anxious, crying, things like that, and uh, just kind of white knuckle it through those times and uh, didn't do anything about it. Well, going to the hospital, it finally got me to the place where I realized, okay, I need to do some things to make sure that mm-hmm. this doesn't happen again and uh, just stay healthy emotionally. Yeah.
0: So you had some serious thoughts about harming yourself. There are a lot of people who come to that place and don't reach out for help like you did. What what hurdle did you have to get past in order to reach out for help besides the logistics of the hospital being available? I think it
1: takes a lot of courage to admit that you're feeling that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't feel that courageous at the time, but... I needed to tell my husband that I was feeling that, Mm -hmm. that depressed. And, uh, some people don't do that. They, they just want to just hide it from everyone and, uh, and they won't reach out and that's dangerous. You know, Mm -hmm. they, hopefully they make it through that time and they get to a place where they're feeling better, but some people don't make it through. Um, so it's really, I'm not sure it's Mm -hmm. hard.
0: You're you've been part of a church community your whole life? Yeah, yep. So, what did you what have you discovered within the church community? Do you feel there is a strong sense of support for people who need counseling, who need medication for mental health or do you feel like that's like a gap there?
1: I think it's getting better. But I think that there is still a big stigma attached to mental illness, and people are afraid to admit it uh, quite often. Um, when I came out of the hospital and went home, I reconnected with a friend that I had had in another community way back in in Iowa. This was this or no? Let's see. We were in Iowa, but we had connected when Gary was in college in Iowa years before, and she also had had times of depression. So we got together and. Uh, started looking at a book together called Fresh Hope by Brad Hapes, and eventually both decided to get training to um, start support groups in our churches. And that was awesome because then um, we had a support group that yeah. with people that understood what we were going through. Um, so yeah, so Gary and I have done that in Iowa we did it. Now we've done it here. But there is such a stigma that there are certain people that we talk to that have dealt with depression but they don't want to come to a group like that because Mm -hmm. they don't want other people to know that they're struggling and i just it's so sad because if you if you can talk to someone about what you're going through someone that understands and has been there it just relieves so much pressure i mean Mm -hmm. fresh hope we do it twice a month here and a lot of times I hardly even realized I needed it till we get there and we start to discuss an article or watch a video and start discussing. And I start to cry because it brings up something that I've been dealing with and I needed to get it out, vent, talk about it, talk it through and uh, get to back to a better place.
0: I love that because you're taking your own, you're vulnerable. You're you're not saying I have it all together. Uh, Mental health is not something that it's like, um, it's not like if I had... A health problem that just required a surgery and then it's taken. you know, it's not like a broken foot where I right. get the surgery and the foot's healed. It's not like that. It's an ongoing thing. So I love that you're using your own need as a ministry to somebody else in their need. I love that aspect of it.
1: Well, it helps me as much as it helps the, yeah. rest of the people that come. So um, yeah, I really enjoy it.
0: You know, churches will have parenting groups because as moms, we need to have other moms. We will have couples support groups because couples need to hear from couples. And I haven't seen that a lot of churches in my area have the mental health support element there. Some do. So I love that you're doing that because within the church, there are some unhelpful things that we sometimes say. What are some of the unhelpful things you've had people say about mental health? And then we'll get to the helpful ones. Oh, yeah. I don't really think that I've heard too many
1: unhelpful things. That's good. Things. Not <laughs> not for me, anyway. Um, and it might be different because I'm the pastor's wife. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's, uh, you know, back in Iowa, what we're in 2014, that's where we were serving. And the church was so supportive and um, mm. just really came around us after, after that happened, uh, when I was in the hospital, you know, one of the women had our uh, we have gems and cadets, the the kids um, groups, and they made pictures for me.
0: I was in it when it was Calvinettes back in the day. Uh, yep,
1: me too. That's what it was <laughs> when I was in it, um, and so she made, had them make pictures for me, and so there was lots of support. And uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there are people that would probably say. Oh, just don't worry. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a big just deal. Just stop thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just stop it. And uh, it's not helpful to do that to someone. Um, mm-hmm. ah, it's such a it's such a fine balance because even like now in Fresh Hope the the loved ones can come to the group too. So my husband comes as a as a support person, and we read through a bunch of different tenets at the beginning of the meeting. And there's uh, one that says that, you know, they have to try to not, they have to find the balance between uh, letting the person wallow and pushing them too hard. And mm. that's a that's a hard, hard balance to find when you have someone in your life that struggles with mental health, because sometimes it's good for them to push through and do something even if they don't feel like it. And other times they maybe do need to back off from a a responsibility and just, you know, have that time of rest and restoration. So it's a hard thing to find the balance in.
0: That's really insightful. And it's something that I think when we, we try to walk in someone else's shoes, we sometimes are thinking what we would want someone to do for us, but that's not always the most helpful. We have to try to understand what they need. And so what are some of the most helpful things your friends have done, whether they've said it or done something for your family? The cards that people sent during that time,
1: um, I guess I never really un- understood that cards could be that meaningful. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really read every word of the the poems that were on the card or the, the sentiments, and just it really, really helped me. Other things they did... Um, I can't remember if people did meals for us after I got home or not. I, you know, that would have been helpful too if I if -hmm. I had had younger kids. But my kids were my youngest was a freshman in high school, so um, it wasn't too important. And uh, just uh, uh, like I think it was a year or so after I was so depressed, I went to a youth retreat out in Colorado and met up with a friend uh, from Rock Rapids from years ago, and was talking to her and I was kind of struggling that day. And, um, she said, um, she said, you're so brave. And she gave me a hug and that has just stayed with me. Mm -hmm. So, so much that just, just that little word of encouragement instead of, you know, uh, wouldn't have been terrible if someone had said, Oh, well, you'll be fine. (laughs) You know, (laughs) instead of, instead of just saying you're, you're so brave and, Mm -hmm. and giving a hug, things like that Mm -hmm. I think
0: are helpful. One of the things we can do for those listening is to be okay with awkward moments, to be okay with maybe being silent if you don't know what to say, but to really let someone know, because I don't know if I would have remembered giving someone a hug and saying, you're so brave, but you remembered it. And so that's something for us to think about, like the little things we do might stick with somebody. So as you've walked through getting treatment, and also serving in a ministry where you're helping people with mental health, people walking through depression, what are some helpful things that you personally do, maybe on a daily basis or that are part of your routine, that help you to keep the positive thoughts in your mind? I try
1: to start most mornings with reading my Bible and um, prayer. I'm trying to pray more, but I'm really weak in my prayer life. I talk to God all throughout the day Little prayers, but I feel like I, I need to spend more like, you know, dedicated time in prayer. Um, and one thing that does help a lot is if I write down my thoughts. So if I journal, that's a lot of times where, that's a time where I will write down, you know, I'll type it up on the computer or something. Just something that I went through that day, especially if it really made me upset or angry or sad. And if I can just write it down, I can look at it objectively and say, okay, I see where I was thinking a little bit off in that situation. Here's how I could have thought differently. And um, so I'm still working on that, getting stronger at, uh, at catching those thoughts and uh, replacing them with true things that God says about me in the Bible.
0: Well, I have some days where I get overwhelmed and I I start to have the spinning thoughts of like, you can't do this. You're never going to, you know, all those things. I've personally found that sometimes just getting out and going for a walk at the track or, you know, out in the woods or something has helped. Do you have things like that that you've found have been helpful? Yeah.
1: I mean, I try to start, uh, I exercise every morning, most mornings of the week and Eating healthy would be good for me too. I think I tend to go a little bit too much on the sugar side, <laughs> but, and trying to get, for me, I think it's important to get a good night's sleep. And so mm. even though my tendency would probably be to uh, like, stay up till you know midnight, one o'clock, just because everyone's asleep and I can get things done. I try to get to bed, um, get in bed around 1030 and then get up at 6.30. And that that's uh, about the right amount of sleep for me. And if I get less than that, I can sense that it kind of affects how I think and uh, how I can handle life.
0: That self-awareness is something that, you know, it's like the hero in us wants to just push through and not take care of ourselves. I, I can relate to that. You have put together some resources. You do a weekly blog. You are reaching out and helping people. Tell us a little bit about your blog, what kinds of things you cover there, and then about the Facebook community that you have.
1: I blog at robinmulder.com. And that's Robin with a Y. <laughs> and
0: uh, um, I'll link to that in the show notes too. And
1: I uh, I try to have a Focus Friday blog post every week sometimes it turns into a super Saturday or, you know, (laughs) meditative Monday or something like that. But I've been pretty consistent. I, I, for a while, I was really sporadic all over the place, but now it's almost every Friday. Uh, And so I pick something that, uh, that I've been dealing with lately, or something that just got us kind of put on my heart. And I blog about that. And um, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's a little more humorous if I have something funny happen. And then I draw some spiritual, uh, applications for the reader, um, and share a verse and a couple questions to kind of help them think through, um, how it relates to their lives. Um, so yeah, and, and that, it runs the gamut. Sometimes I write about depression. Sometimes I write about just faith things. Sometimes a lot of times about, um, procrastination and trying to get over that. Um, you know, moving ahead with our dreams and, and things like that. So um and I'm probably preaching to myself half the time because I Hey, that's that, this whole show that struggle is that with. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, I think that, that resonates with people when, you know, we're sharing what we're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um I those those are the ones that I have a lot of comments that say, Oh, I felt that way too. And so I know that uh We're not alone. We can encourage each other. Um, And you asked about the Facebook group. I started a group called Catch Your Thoughts with Robin Mulder on Facebook. And it's a private group, so you have to ask to join, but I just, you just have to ask to be there and then I'll let you in. And uh, I try to share, if I find resources uh, online, like someone's video or an article, I'll post that there. I share my blog post there. Back in October, I did like a short oh, three to five minute video every day of October. Just I challenged myself. So there's some things there to look at about um, different aspects of catching our thoughts. And it's based on Second Corinthians 10, 5, where it says, you know, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's what I have to keep practicing because it's it's hard. Our thoughts want to go in all different directions and it can get us into so many bad places emotionally if we just let them go all over.
0: Yeah. So you said something about keeping on practicing. That's a that's a message for all of us because that is life. Yeah. We're always practicing, reiterating, moving in a new direction when God sends us. Always open to that idea of changing, and that's to me what a life repurposed is: is being able to change directions, learn from my mistakes, admit my mistakes first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. That's where blogging and writing is really helpful because readers can see through. They can tell when you're not being honest and true. So that's what I love about your chapter in Life Repurpose too is that you're really open about talking about what God's doing in your life. And so I appreciate your honesty and transparency there. As we wrap up, what word would you leave with the woman who's listening, who is struggling with Overwhelming thoughts, negative thoughts, depression. Uh, What would you want to say if if she were sitting across from you right now? I think I would just
1: want to say, don't give up um, because it can be tempting. You know, Um, the pressures of life can get to us sometimes, Mm -hmm. but depression is very treatable. And if you reach out for help, there are people that will help you get to better places emotionally. And um, yeah, just just don't give up.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And for those who are listening, I'll have links in the show notes so that you can connect with Robin online, both on her blog and on her Facebook group. Those are places where you can get connected with people who will help you get on a path towards healing and hope. Thanks for being here, Robin. Thank you very much, Michelle. What a great message Robin has to send out to anyone who is struggling with depression or mental health or just needing to redo some of the wallpaper in our minds. I just love that interview. If you are looking for the resources we talked about, you'll find those at michellerayburncom 102. And I'll have links to Robin's blog there. I will have links to any of the resources we talked about in this episode, so be sure to go there. I will also include a YouTube video of a snippet of our interview in that blog post, so you can see that too. If you are looking for more community and a place to connect with other people, I invite you to our Facebook community. Just look for Life Repurpose Community on Facebook. There we have discussion each week and just an opportunity to lift each other up and support Sometimes it's serious and sometimes it's more lighthearted, but it's always about connecting you with someone else. So if you would love to be seen as an individual where someone has an actual conversation with you, I invite you to our Life Repurposed community. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you again next week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.